Welcome back for another episode of the Post Money Plan Podcast. My name is Dallas Post, and I am your host. As you know, I believe empowerment comes through knowledge, so my purpose here is to inform, educate, and stimulate thought within personal finance, economics, and investing. You can find me at postmoneyplan.com or search the Post Money Plan in the iTunes podcast app or in Google Play. All right. So in today's episode, I want to talk about side gigs. Just thinking about how there's the income side of the equation and your expenses side of the equation in personal finance. And a lot of times people get too focused on the expenses side of the equation and stop thinking about how they can increase their income. And one of the ways you can do that is by taking on a side gig or doing a side business as you're working full time at a company. And then as that little entrepreneurial venture grows, you can start to put more time and effort into it and maybe eventually leave your traditional employment to move on to your business that you've created on the side that can become your full-time income as it grows. One of the big barriers to doing that is just not having experience or seen anyone that's gone through it. So I wanted to take the opportunity today to speak with someone that has gone through it, obviously other than myself, to share with the audience. So I brought uh, Ashley Engett onto the show to share her experience. So Ashley is a business coach and strategist that is helping other women to get started on their businesses, uh, more specifically service-based businesses, so they can supplement their income and eventually leave their traditional jobs. So welcome to the show, Ashley. Thanks for having me, Dallas. All right. So tell, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started into it and uh, what brought you to where you are now. Well, I guess you could say that I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial bug. When I was younger, I had a lemonade stand in high school. I started a soccer club with my best friend for young kids during the summer to make some extra pocket money. And then in college, I had an eBay store where I sold jewelry online to kind of make a little bit of extra income on the side. So I've kind of always had the entrepreneur spirit and my family are just really adventurous and dreamers, I guess. So I knew this was eventually my path that I wanted to go down. I just didn't exactly know what I wanted to do once I quote unquote grew up. Yeah. A lot of entrepreneurs have a similar story. Just always along the way, they kind of were thinking of different ideas of things to sell or ways they could help people around them and, and make some money along the way. I think there's something in people that it's not just something that you choose later on in life. There's something that you, you kind of have, like you said, that bug from an early age. I don't know about you, but for me, it was always like kind of wanting to go by my own rules and not really like step in line with the way everyone else is doing something. And I feel like that kind of suits entrepreneurs. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I just never felt like I fit in with going by the party line kind of thing. And I, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but it's definitely something that encouraged me to go out on my own and try to get away from the corporate culture kind of thing. Could you go a little bit more into your background in terms of how you got your current business going and how you got it to where it is now and like leaving your traditional employment and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I was working at an oil and gas company for four and a half years. And about a year before I left is really when my priorities started shifting in life. So I really noticed that like the long hours I was putting in at work really wasn't what I wanted to be doing for the rest of my life or, you know, my remaining 30 years. And then it also started coming up that I wanted kind of a legacy. 
I didn't want to be looking back on my life and thinking, you know, what did I accomplish the last 30 years? Well, I helped make spreadsheets and word documents and push papers and make meetings, which is fine. Like we need people to get oil out of the ground for sure, because we all drive cars, but it just wasn't fulfilling me anymore. And I was at this point in my career where it was really to decide, do I want to go leadership route or do I want to pursue something on my own? So I really wanted to increase my impact on the world. And part of that is going into missions. I went into a, went into a mission trip two years ago, and I really just saw the great need out in the world that, you know, we just have so much in the U.S. and we just have so much potential to help others. And so me being limited by two weeks of vacation was another reason. If I chose to go on a mission trip for one week of the year, then, you know, that only gave me five days remaining to go hang out with my family for Christmas or, you know, Thanksgiving or any other trips. So not only did I want to be free of the limit of two weeks of vacation, but I also wanted to be free of my income cap because I wanted to create my own income to donate to the places that I wanted to. And one of those is my sister's venture, her coffee business supports an orphanage in Nigeria. So it really just all came together. We started our businesses at the same time. And my dream is to support probably 80% of the orphanage being built over there. And, you know, being limited with my income at my corporate job, that was going to take a long time to be able to raise the funds. But I know, you know, being an entrepreneur, you set your rules, you can set your income. And it's not important for me to make a lot of money. I'm totally fine being capped to something, but like I want to help others. I want to do more. I want to contribute to mission trips. I want to be able to like give scholarships and fund an orphanage being built. And so it really comes down to my purpose in life. And my purpose at my oil and gas job faded and my priorities really shifted to being at home and spending time with people that I cared most about. And, you know, supporting other people in the world as well as, you know, locally. So there's really a lot that goes into it. But the basic thing was my priorities shifted. I wanted to be there for the people who I loved most. And my corporate job was draining me. I was spending 12 to 14 hours a day there. And I'd come home drained. And I just wanted to, like, sit on the couch and watch TV. And that wasn't fair to my family. That wasn't fair to my friends. That wasn't fair to my church community you know, they were getting the worst part of me. And, you know, those are the people that I cared most about. I wanted to be able to set my schedule. And, you know, if I only want to work six hours that day or maybe take a day off because, you know, I've been working too much, then that's totally possible. So I really just wanted to get out of the corporate grind, set my own schedule, be able to, you know, spend my time where needed, either on missions abroad, at home, with my family, go visit my parents, They're moving to North Dakota, and I didn't want to be limited on seeing them. It's funny because I had a similar experience in terms of feeling unfulfilled in the job that I was doing, in terms of wanting to make an impact. It's probably a similar experience of in your 20s, being idealistic and wanting to do something that means something, and eventually getting to the point where you say, okay, I want to like take a risk here. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who feel that way, but are risk averse and are not inclined to go the entrepreneurial route. But those of us who are risk seeking, I guess you could say, are then willing to jump out there and say, okay, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I want to make an impact. And I want what I'm doing to, to mean something and go out there and try something on my own. 
But I would say that made me think of that. I think we're very blessed to be in such a situation that we can have that opportunity to even choose to say like, hey, I want my work to be fulfilling and not just, hey, I have to do this to survive or else I'm not going to have food on the table kind of thing. It's such a blessing to even have that opportunity and that privilege to be able to take this risk and go out there and try something versus so many people in Africa or India that probably could be great entrepreneurs, but they just don't have the privilege, that opportunity to try to strike out there on their own. Although I would say my experience is that uh, I've come across a lot of immigrants to the U.S. who are much more entrepreneurial than Americans. I think part of that might have to do with Americans have a more established track record in the U.S. where like their parents did X, so they're going to do X versus immigrants have come to the U.S. They don't have a proven path from their family. And so they kind of have to just strike out there on their own. I've seen that a lot. I, I don't know about you. Yeah, I think that Americans in general are taught more to stay in the safe zone, you know, build kind of a comfort around you. And so if you leave a corporate job to do an entrepreneurial venture, you're leaving that safety, you're leaving that consistent paycheck, those benefits, those health benefits. And, you know, that's just kind of something we've been taught in the U.S., I think, is really just do what's, you know, within your comfort zone. Don't push outside those boundaries. And so maybe outside the U.S., they're not taught to be as, you know, in the safe zone. They're like, yeah, go do what you want to do. Go do something purposeful, fulfilling. You know, it could be a completely different mindset. So what was the process of coming to your specific business and getting that going how did you come to that and how did you find your niche and all that? Yeah, so I didn't know what business I wanted to start, but I knew I wanted to start a business. So I figured instead of wasting time, I might as well start researching how to start an online business. So whether it was how to build a website, how to write your copy, how to do digital marketing, sales funnels, everything, I started researching all of it. And with the intent that eventually I would find a business idea and then marry the two. Well, what I found was I actually truly enjoyed the business, online business aspect. And so I loved all these components and I spent months and months researching and learning. Then I ended up buying courses about it. And then I figured, wow, I know so much about this online business. I can teach other people how to start an online business that are more specific, like maybe health coaching, but it all pertains to service-based. So whether they want to start a web design business, a virtual assistant business, anything basically that allows you to be location independent while creating an income for yourself is what I started focusing on. So that was really what lit me up. It made me excited. I love the strategies. I love the funnels. I love everything, the psychology behind it, everything that goes into it. And so that's kind of how I landed on business coaching. It was kind of an accident because I didn't know that that was what I was going to do. I just started researching online business strategies, tactics, and then I became a business coach. How has the journey been since you started to now? Like, How has it grown and, and where are you at in the process? So I officially went full-time into business coaching last fall in October. To be honest, it was kind of an interesting shift because all of a sudden I have my own schedule. There's no boss. There's no one telling me what to do, when assignments are due, when there's a deadline. And so I had to learn how to create my own schedule to really keep myself accountable 
and set concrete deadlines for me to achieve my goals. But at the same time, I also have this looming thought like, hey, I have to get going anyways. I don't have a paycheck coming in anymore. So there's a little bit of, I guess you could say, self-imposed deadline there. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so there's a motivating factor to get did, moving. Did that make you realize that in the corporate culture, all these deadlines and things, like a lot of them are at, actually like fairly arbitrary and you just like didn't realize that until you go out on your own. It's like, oh, I'm just making up a deadline. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really was. <laughs> I just remember like working for Saudi Aramco, like things would come from, you know, all the way up from potentially like the Saudi king. It'd be like, I want this university done by two years from now. <laughs> and then everyone would freak out and like, oh, we got to get this done. Yeah. But the, like the two year deadline was completely arbitrary. You know? Yeah. Just to get people motivated. But in the end, that's kind of what it comes down to. You have to be motivated and stay on top of your tasks to like keep things going. Otherwise, things can kind of slip away. To be like completely frank, I've been working on an online course to teach people how to start investing. And I had a good amount of it done back in the fall, but I didn't set any deadlines for myself and just started working on other things and knocking out the podcast and not prioritizing it. Meanwhile, here we are in February and I haven't finished it. So I made a commitment recently to start back on that. I, I set deadlines for each of the steps for myself. So that's basically doing what you're saying, holding more accountability to myself for that process. And I think it also helps you like keep focus in terms of what it is that you're trying to accomplish. If, you know, if you're spending all your time on some kind of labor that's time intensive, but it's not going to produce any fruit for you or produce the income, then why is it that you're spending so much time on it? Versus if you're just focusing all your effort on the thing that's actually going to produce the, the fruit, then why not focus the time there and you'll see a more return on your time. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to make because it's so easy to get stuck in the details and work on things that don't actually progress you and yeah. move you forward in your business. And the actions that actually do create income for you are typically the ones that get pushed back because you're either have a fear of, you know, completing it and putting it out to the world or, you know, there could be a lot of reasons. It's not like I'm a serial entrepreneur that I've gone out and started a hundred different businesses. This is really the first official business that I've done. But I've heard from a lot of tangential experiences that a lot of times people will focus so much on the infrastructure of starting a business that they don't actually focus on the product or service that it is that they're trying to provide to people. People will spend so much time opening up business bank accounts and filing like an LLC, all this like infrastructure, setting up, you know, their website and all this stuff, which they're important things. But if you're not actually worrying about whatever it is that you're trying to do, then you're really getting lost in the, the forest and missing the point of what you're trying to do. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I totally got stuck in those details and was like, oh, I need to finish my website. I need to file for my LLC. And, you know, the first month that I was officially out there, I only made $300 because I was focusing all my efforts on the wrong income. Gen they weren't income generating activities. And so, yeah, that definitely happens. And you put all these tasks in your mind that you think you need to do and complete, but really you can have a business without a website. You can provide a service without graphics or social media or any marketing. You can go to your next door neighbor and offer your service and make a sale right there. 
So it's really easy to get hung up in the details and be working on things that don't actually get you anywhere. That's why I think it's so important to really think about your strategy and what it is you're trying to accomplish before you start getting busy on tasks. It's so easy to get busy, like you said, on the details and just work, 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 work. But just because you're busy doesn't mean you're doing something good. And that's another surprising thing too. You can be very not busy and be producing a lot or at least making a lot more money than if you were really, really busy and working hard, but just working in the wrong way or working on the wrong things. It's such an easy temptation to fall into or just get distracted. And that's why I think the strategy of of thinking about what you're trying to do before you go and do something is, is so valuable. Okay, so how did you think about your finances in making the jump? to leave your full-time position to then take on your business full-time? So I had saved up about $5,000 and I had that as a cushion in my bank account. Of course, I would have liked a lot more, but that was what I had at the time. And thankfully I never went in debt. I still haven't. And now I'm making a consistent income, but it's really just a decision. I decided that the investment, aka me, I was going to succeed and I was going to make it. You know, I think it's really comes down to about mindset. If you get the right support, if you have the right tools, if you have the accountability and the drive, like you will make it work. That's kind of how I exited corporate was with $5,000 and the desire to succeed. Did you have to change how you were saving? Like how, how much in advance did you have to like change the way you were doing things with your finances to prep that? I pretty much quit eating out. I would just put everything into my bank account and basically put my credit card away so that I wouldn't be tempted. Of course, I paid my bills, I paid my rent, and I allowed myself to go out to eat once per week. But really, there was no online shopping. I stopped AmazonPrime.com. <laughs> I, you know, I shut it down. Like I stopped purchasing everything because my priorities shifted. I knew I wanted to exit the corporate world and I started saving. So, yeah, it really just took me. I changed my lifestyle dramatically in order to save the $5,000 and get going. So I kind of had a similar experience in terms of planning strategy on my finances as the way you were saying it. I think it's wise for people to be putting part of their paycheck into 401k or IRA and those kind of things and saving up for retirement. But I was kind of thinking of this from, well, when I started my last job, the benefits that they offered for 401k were very de minimis. And I wasn't planning to be there for super long anyway. But then once I had worked there for a little while, I really identified that that wasn't the place for me and not the direction that I wanted to be taking. So I actually wasn't putting any money into retirement accounts whatsoever because I didn't want the money that I was saving to be locked up away in retirement accounts that I couldn't touch. So I was basically accumulating all my money in checking, basically, because I was only spending, I'm not sure on the exact numbers, but I think I was only spending like half my salary or something like that, maybe even less. It didn't cost me that much to live and I was saving a ton of money. So it was very easy for me to quit. Like there was no financial concern, basically, which left me a ton of breathing room in terms of jumping into building my own business, giving myself plenty of time to get going and not be stressed. I think a big downfall for a lot of entrepreneurs in getting a business going is being stressed about the funding 
and having to spend so much time on fundraising and not actually focusing on what it is that they're trying to do. That's just kind of a necessary evil a lot of times. But if you're able to do like you said and have a cushion that's going to give you some breathing room for a little bit, then that enables a lot of flexibility that otherwise you might get sidetracked again on the details of like, okay, I have to have the money set aside and can end up killing a lot of potentially good ideas. Maybe it's a great business, but you don't have the money and then you, you get stuck like, oh, I don't have the finances and I have to give up before maybe it can actually come to fruition. So in terms of your successes and failures so far, what would you say has contributed to some of your successes along the way so far? I would say the biggest contributor to my success is my support and my community. My family has been super supportive and they're always encouraging me. And then, you know, also my friends, they've been very open about it. They've been very encouraging, very supportive. And then I have my online entrepreneurial community. So I think it's really important to find like-minded individuals that are in your same stage so that you can weather the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. And then the last final contributing factor is that I actually hired my own online business coach so that I wouldn't have to weather the trial and error times and I could fast track my results, fast track my success so that I could begin making an income right away. She also provides that accountability for me and she's kind of an unofficial boss, if you would say. So she knows, you know, when I should be hitting certain milestones, what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. She has this outside perspective and she knows and she can see when I'm holding back. So it's really been beneficial to have her there as well as just like my loving community that when I don't have a great week that they're there still to support me. My boyfriend's very supportive. I would definitely say if you're going to start your own business, have a positive, optimistic, and uplifting community that's going to support you no matter what. Yeah, because it's definitely not going to be an easy road. I've never heard a story where it's like, oh, it was just like so easy. I just like started the business <laughs> and I made a million the first year. Yeah. Actually, you do hear that from like the... Uh, Basically scams. <laughs> yeah, that's never true. If they're saying that, there's something wrong. Or pyramid schemes. Yeah. Yeah, thousand percent return on your money in the first year. Uh, okay, well, what about some of the things that have been like shortcomings or things that you wish you had done differently or some failures along the way? Yeah. Um, or everything's just been rosy? No, no, I'm just <laughs> trying to think of like... Well, I had a lot of shortcomings and a lot of quote unquote failures, but I do think that they were beneficial in my learning and I've grown a lot since last fall. I think the biggest thing that's held me back is fear and that's really fear of failure, fear of judgment, fear of criticism, you name it. And so at the beginning, it stopped me hugely from putting myself out there and just telling people about my business or talking about it or putting it out on social media. And I think that really delayed my growth in my business for several months. I could have been way further along growing my community, growing my network if I had just been open and just being free about what I do. That makes me think of something from my experience. I just think it's funny have you had any experience where people externally like they're supportive, but then they're like, okay, like when are you going to go back to doing something real? <laughs> <laughs> All the time. 
people have finally decided like, okay, she is really actually doing this for real. But I would tell friends what I'm doing and they just kind of look at me and they're like, oh, that's nice. Isn't that going to be a lot of work? I'm like, that's not what you should say to me. Like, just say, you know, congratulations. And yeah, I had family members who now that I'm doing well and I have created a stable income and people now believe in me, family members have now told my parents, yeah, we were kind of wondering about her. It was really nice or really great that she's doing that, but we didn't know if it was actually going to last. So I'm glad that I found that out later. As opposed to if they had told me that my first month or two in business, it would have been crushing to think that they thought or to know that they um, were kind of saying that behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. All my family and friends can think like, oh, he's just messing around and uh, playing tiddlywinks or something. But <laughs> like, as long as I can keep making it happen, then uh, I'm happy to defy the naysayers, which is why I really have enjoyed having my finances in order and able to support the vision of what I'm trying to do. Because going back to what you said before, in terms of doing something that you believe in and that you think is meaningful and has impact is really motivating and goes a lot further than just money. And I think on a very theoretical level in terms of society, if we have everyone in society doing jobs that they actually very much value and believe in the purpose of them, you know, like the ethos behind something, then they're really going to be more productive citizens in society than if they were doing something that was like higher pay, but they just didn't care about. Like I think about what I was doing at my last job at Raymond James, like, okay, the salary was really good, but I didn't believe in what I was doing. So I wasn't motivated. I didn't do anything more than what was required of me. That didn't feel good, but I also wasn't motivated to be doing more than was asked of me because like, what was the point in investing in something that I didn't believe in? Then as a, a Christian, where I feel that we're directed to be working not just for our employers, but for God, that also kind of convicted me in not being, in not reaching my full potential versus what I, I could have accomplished, but wasn't really motivated for. Do you feel like you experienced that as well? Yeah. I mean, at my corporate job, I wanted to clock out as soon as possible. I mean, we had really long days. So as soon as I'd leave, like I was not thinking about work. And on the weekends, the last thing I wanted to do was think about what I had to do. But now that I'm doing something that I love and I'm passionate about and my motivation for it is aligned with what's important to me and my values, now, like, I don't mind if I'm not doing something on a Wednesday night, like, I don't mind working at all. I enjoy it and I love it. And, you know, if I work a couple hours on Saturday, I'm totally fine with it. And that would have never happened at my corporate job. I would have never willingly opened up my laptop and thought, oh, maybe I can, you know, work a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. But now it's fun to me. I love it. It's motivated by my desire to reach my big end goals. Yeah. I mean, that speaks exactly to the point that I'm trying to make. The difference between having to do the dishes and you hate doing the dishes versus someone that just like loves organization, they'll be like knocking out the dishes left and right kind of thing. It just makes a world of difference. When you like what you're doing, you don't even think of it as like, it's not a drag. You're like, oh, when do I get to? Kind mm-hmm. of thing. All right. So how about some of the perks and drawbacks of doing things on your own and running your own business? 
So perks is obviously my time, my freedom of time. I get to wake up at 9 a.m. one day. I get to wake up at 6 a.m. Depends on what I want to do. I can work out in the middle of the day. I can drink coffee at 11. I can go visit my parents anytime. I'm heading to Thailand at the end of March for three weeks, and I get to work from Thailand. So I'm going to work, you know, a couple hours a day while I'm over there. So that's the obvious outsider perk is that I can work anytime, anywhere and complete what I need to do. Then the drawbacks are is that you become an expert at pretty much everything. You know, at a corporate role, you kind of are assigned one task that you really become good at. But once you become an entrepreneur, you now become accounting, you become finance, you become marketing, you become content creator, web designer. And unless you are fortunate enough to have the funds to actually outsource that all, but I would be willing to bet that most entrepreneurs don't have $50,000 sitting around to hire different people to work for them. So the drawbacks is that you do need to become an expert, quote unquote, at all these things. But it actually becomes easier and it's fun down the line. And now you become this really well-rounded person. So I would say that's one of the drawbacks. And then kind of like you were mentioning earlier, just people's kind of perceptions of you. My close friends and immediate family and boyfriend are super, super supportive. But when it kind of goes past that, People just kind of look at you differently and they kind of, I don't know, if they think you're kind of crazy for leaving a safe job, I don't know exactly what they're thinking, but you have to find a new community and some of your friends kind of drop off. I think that is true. I mean, it's easy to be skeptical because most businesses do fail. So, I mean, there is that. But I think there is a slight part of it that sometimes people are a little bit, I don't know if jealous is the right word, but like... Maybe a little bit envious in the sense that I think a lot of people long for the autonomy of entrepreneurship, but aren't willing to take the risks of it. Uh, last question for you. What are your goals for the future of your business and what do you see in the, in the long term? So my goals for my business are to completely fill out my one-on-one coaching program and then have a continuous group program so that I can start funding my sister's project for the orphanage. Um, So I guess this is both my short and long-term goal. I want to just really be able to make that big impact. And we're going to Nigeria this summer to go visit her specific location. So that's really exciting. But long-term, I want to have a staff that I hire. So I want to have a social media strategist underneath me. I want to have virtual assistants and web designers that can be part of my team so that we can best serve our ideal clients and really fast track their results. So um, by growing and expanding our team, I know this probably sounds cheesy, but I'm going to cap myself at $75,000 a year and anything I make over that, all of it's going to go back towards missions that I believe in. So whether I'm making, you know, a hundred thousand or if I'm making a million, the rest of it, really the income isn't important to me. I can have a really great lifestyle living on, you know, 70, 75,000 a year. And so I'm sure people will think this is crazy that I even say this, but like, I really just, same thing with my Christian values, like, and my priority shifting, what matters to me is the impact I make on the world and how many people I'm able to serve and how many people I'm able to really help. 
So if people want to get more information on your business or, or want to get some coaching from you, where do they go? You can find me on www.ashleyengit.com on my website. All right. Thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on the show and sharing your entrepreneurial experiences. Thanks so much for having me. Catch us next time on another episode of the Post Money Plan Podcast. Thank you.